Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Eventide Radio. This is a fan-made Destiny podcast where we have roundtable discussions about a variety of topics concerning the popular video game franchise. At its core, this show is about having an in-depth discussions about the game from a variety of different perspectives. I'm your host, Scotty, and with me are co-hosts Rob, Robbie, and Will. Um, before we get started, we should probably introduce ourselves, as this is the first episode, and it's good to have a good background on who you're actually listening to. So, Rob, why don't you introduce yourself? All right, I guess I can go first. Uh, so, my name's Rob. Uh, I go by Blue Wind Seven Six. If you ever see me uh, in the Crucible and you want to bag me, that's that's how you know it's me. <laughs> Uh, I'm not a D1 alpha vet. Uh, I played or I started playing D1 probably about two weeks after the game launched. Uh, so I still have, you know, September 2014 uh, street cred, if you will. Uh, and I invest most of my time playing Destiny. It's definitely one of my favorite franchises and uh, totally thrilled and stoked to be talking about it with these these guys. And uh, and just full disclosure, I am a hunter main for the sole purpose of capes so sorry <laughs> me too ravi what's uh what's your background hi everyone i'm ravi i guess uh well a little bit about myself is i'm a fashion photographer with a background in architecture and design and regarding destiny i think for me it's like a longer story i'm a guy who used to play mlg battlegrounds land tournaments back in the day and coming back to a Bungie game, pretty much the newest guy here. I haven't played as long as all of you have. So it just feels like, you know, for me, it's, uh, I'm a Halo 3 duos general coming back home and loving the game. Mm -hmm, mm, we are glad to have you. Will, what's, uh, what's your connection to Destiny? All right. So I've been playing since the D1 Alpha. Um, I'm the PvP nerd. So... My takes are probably not going to be as hot as everybody else's. Uh, you can find me on PSN. I'm Will with three L's, and that's about it. Cool, cool. And to introduce myself, I'm Scotty. I started playing when I got it back in 2014, probably December, I think I started playing, except for that whole, you know, first release. Uh, I didn't have Xbox Live, so I didn't really get into the whole meat of the game until later, but I've been around for a while. And I'm here to talk about Destiny, just like everyone else on this podcast. And we're all very excited to talk about it, and it's what we love to do. In fact, when we're off air, we talk about it relentlessly anyways. So this is, this is really exciting to put it out there and hopefully further the discussion with, with listeners. So our first topic we wanted to talk about, um, I think, Robbie, this was your topic that you selected, if you want to introduce it. So the topic that I chose to start with was... And this is because I've heard it from several different people and always either, you know, I think there's no in-between in this one. Like either you love it or you hate it. But the fact that the seasonal artifact comes with champion mods that in a way force you to use certain, you know, weapons for doing the high-end content of the game where you actually need champion mods. And what do you guys think about, you know, having to use bows last season or snipers and then you know do you feel like you're being forced into using something that you wouldn't use or do you like that you have to kind of switch around your strategies every time a new artifact comes around i i personally i think this was yeah i i don't think they should rotate out i i mean i get why they do because i know they're trying to force people to play different 
playstyles, and I get that, and it makes the game fresh, and because, you know, the game gets stale if you're using the same loadout over and over and over again for every activity. But I don't like the idea that I'm forced to use certain weapons or certain things, especially when it's so limited um, for certain, especially endgame activities, because part of the excitement I feel with endgame activities like Nightfalls, like Grandmaster Nightfalls, is having your own custom-made loadout that you put so much time into. And it kind of sucks when the season rotates out and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, sorry, your god roll auto rifle doesn't pierce barrier champions anymore. Well, you can throw that in the vault for the next three months because you're never going to use it again. And um, that's, I don't know, that's, that's very frustrating to me. Yeah, so I wholeheartedly agree. And like you're saying, it makes an attempt to get rid of kind of the the stagnation that could exist where you know you've got you've got your one anti-barrier weapon you've got your one overload bit weapon and you've got your one unstoppable and then you know you basically have kind of specked out you know that they have the appropriate and effective ranges for what you're trying to accomplish and you know what kind of champions that they can handle uh and i get that yes they want you to try to experiment with other things um but it ultimately is kind of a pain that, yeah, you, 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 certain, you certainly kind of find yourself attached to certain weapons as time goes on, right? They become your, your gifted jewel that you always want to hold on to and always want to use. And you want to take it into all the content because it, you just, it feels like it's a part of you after a while. You know, you, you've got, you just have that handling down and you know how its effective range works at, at certain content. And then it's like, like you said, for three months, you have to put it in the vault. And it sits there and collects dust. Um, I also find it kind of... It, it also, to that, though, like last season we had Overload on bows, which I think everyone unanimously thought was a godsend because you finally had a consistent, reliable way to overload champions or to stun overload champions. Uh, and then it, like, and then for like those three months, you you kind of master all of those nightfalls and get really, really comfortable with them. And then now it's gone, and it's just kind of a bummer. Um, so yes, I, my my stance is that I, I think it I think it's good if a certain weapon kind of stays that champion type indefinitely. Like hand cannons always get unstoppable, and bows always get overload. Um, but I, I I think it would be helpful if you know you had a a little bit more of a diverse pick. Maybe not all of them, but certainly more than what we have now. I I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Will, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, as somebody who doesn't play as much PvE as probably the rest of the amount of people, um, I like to use like one certain thing for every single thing I do. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I don't have a god rule for whatever it is required that season to use for, you know, overload, whatever it is. Um I I just think restricting people's loadouts in a game as diverse as destiny and as big as destiny is just not you know very not healthy but like just very good for the community because some people don't have um god rolls or at level things for what that's required that season true true yeah it, it is hard when you're when you're leveling and you need a certain weapon type to do some, some i mean like, it's the same thing with like i don't want to pvp as well like They'll, they'll come out and be like, hey, you know, like we want this gun to be this good this season or, you know, next season will be pulse rifles. The season after that, it'll be scout rifles. Um, I just don't think that's like super healthy and 
um, convenient for the whole entire community because then people have to farm for something. And if you don't have like a God rule of whatever is um, meta that season, then you're just kind of out of luck until you get that certain weapon. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you, when you say that you don't like when the PVP, I guess the sandbox, is that what you're saying? When it chooses certain. Yeah. I I just don't think being restricted in this game that's so diverse and big is just a very good idea. I mean, it just kind of like makes everything smaller in a world this big, you know, it's nice yeah. to be able to use different things to be able to compete at that level or whatever yeah. you need to do to get something done. So I just don't think it's very good for the community. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it's different than... I feel like this subject of these artifact mods is different than sunsetting, which I know people are really upset about, which I didn't have as big a problem with. I feel like it's a different concept. Yeah, totally. Um, and we can certainly have a conversation about sunsetting and and kind of the the complete overhaul or, or or disparaging sadness that it brought to many people's vaults um, well, before you go into sunsetting though right, I'm, exactly i'm I, the boys of like uh I, i'm the one who's gonna disagree with you guys because i actually like that it rotates i enjoy that it changes and i like what it brings to the game i understand the thing about the meta in pvp and how you might dislike that you know they they buff certain guns and they kind of how they did like the 120s and so now everybody's rocking a 120 in the crucible or in trials and it feels like you have no other choice if you want to compete but i think the fact that it rotates it's what makes the game fun to me and i don't know i i guess not to you guys but to other people that i know they also appreciate the fact that you know last season we did fallen saver and we had certain guns that we kind of had to use and it's not true that you actually need a a god role, you know, to be able to clear a GM. And I think it's been proven even by those, you know, famous YouTubers that do like the solo flawless runs of GMs that I still, you know, it blows my mind how they're able to do certain things. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that they give you this puzzle and then it's like, okay, so this time you have to run this and, you know, these are the pieces that you get solve it. And that's half the fun for me to make a new build every time. So there's not a meta that I'm stick in sticking to every season forever and ever so as long as it keeps changing even if they give us the same nightfall again just like fallen saver you know two seasons in a row it's gonna be a different experience because i'm going in with different guns that have different ranges and you know it's, it's my choice to am i gonna use an auto rifle or a scout or am i gonna bring ariana's bow that already has intrinsic anti-barrier and you know have it be kind of like it's so cool that it was to have snipers for anti-barrier last season. So I think that fact that it changes and that it gives you new puzzle for me is, you know, half the fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. I, li- I like that you call it a puzzle. I think that's a very good... I just want to add on to play devil's advocate. I do appreciate the fact that it makes us get out of the comfort zone of, you know, whatever weapon, whatever archetype, um, you know, outlaw, rapid hit, kill clip, rampage, you know, the standard what we have for the you know ever since d2 really released we've just it's just been um like rampage reload kill clip reload um right. weapons so I, I do appreciate that they're making us use different stuff because sometimes you'll come across like come across a perk that you're like oh this is kind of good like you know i want to use this from now on so i do appreciate that right yeah it happens to me with bows last season like i wasn't never like big into bows I just felt like, why would I use a bow if I can use a sniper or something else? But then being forced into it and not knowing like how they felt, because I've never used them that much, and the archetypes that exist, 
you know, inside the bowl category. Then I came out of the season, like having my favorite ones now and knowing what I like and perk wise and things like that in a bowl and what I'm looking for now. So it actually enforced, informed me as a player. And I think it made me grow as a player because now, like you said, I don't think it narrows you down. I think it opened my mind up to like, you can use this too, you know? You can have a sidearm with rangefinder this season, which is like maybe nothing I would have considered before because why would I ever use a sidearm with rangefinder? But now it just seems so sure. useful, you know? So for me, the variety came with these restrictions. Yeah, well, and so I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I actually there's like a lot of things going on in my brain right now because you guys all triggered certain things. So like, Will, <laughs> yeah. you, you talked about the kill clip rampage, fast reload, like what's been constantly kind of like, this is, if you don't get this on a gun, it's trash. What I will say, and, and this can kind of divulge into a conversation more about the Grandmasters, is there are certain perks that have sort of pop up that are way more useful uh during those activities like i i have a disruption break uh vision of confluence that i got from the vault of glass and that helped me tremendously doing the glassway strike because it had solar damage but it also had that disruption break so when you're taking out the, the anti-barriers like you know you probably wouldn't use that in pvp uh or in other activities because it's just like well if it doesn't have kill clip then what's the point but for that particular instance, right, the the damage output from Kill Clip is not really useful. So I do appreciate that it forces you to kind of think outside the box. And as you put it aptly, you know, there's it's a puzzle. Uh, so I, I do agree with you on that aspect. I will also say that I'm very grateful that the last couple seasons we've gotten uh, special weapon artifact mods for champions, which I think is is pretty awesome and you know last season we got anti-barrier and then what was it the season before was like unstoppable shotgun which is cool uh and then this season we got grenade launchers which i don't think anyone was anticipating i think we were all kind of waiting for fusion rifles to get their their <clears throat> turn yeah but they did throw uh, a purple there because there's yeah, only exactly. two nightfalls that have unstoppables in them right which is un <laughs> so, unfortunate but i think yeah. there's also no debating that breach and clear is sort of kind of the other half of what makes grenade launchers shine really I was well. Breach and clear is disgusting and high end yeah. content. It's oh, so yeah. good, and that's yeah. and that's why talking about Wither Horde is like, God, it's it's just so absurdly ridiculous and and kind of fun. So it, in that aspect, yes, it certainly shakes up the meta in the sandbox, and it's like, oh, I haven't used Wither Horde in a season. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, and, and last season with the overload bows, I think I finally finished my Trinity ghoul catalyst. So that was like, because I was kind of forced to, cause I used it in quite a few of the, the GMs because it had so much utility and same with what Tiku's divination, uh, that had a lot of utility because of that, that, that champion mod. Um, so yeah, I, ultimately I think it, it does do good to kind of change things around. Uh, I think. I think I just like and, and there's probably some argument to be made like we don't want to have all of them available at all times. I just I wish there was a couple of more different weapon archetypes that would get a chance to have a champion each season just just to give a little more diversity because I think almost all of uh, Shadowkeep I used um, Ariana's Vow for all anti-barrier stuff because it was just like that's the only thing that you need to use. Uh, so. 
you know, that call call me stubborn in that aspect. But I think ultimately changing it up once in a while is good. I just wish there was a little bit more. Yeah, but even between the same gun that you have to take into the Grandmaster, just like the fact that they have match game and you're going to have to deal with different elemental shields forces you to be like, okay, so maybe this was my favorite pulse rifle, but it's void and I need arc. Right. You know, so you go looking for a different gun and you try something else. And yeah, it's the same with disruption break. And yeah. Ariana's bow being amazing, it's, it will never change. And I think that's one thing that I would like to see more of, just like you say, to shake it up a bit, is give more exotic intrinsic um, champion mods already, you know, in Absolutely. them. Absolutely. That would yeah. be like a great improvement. And uh, just talking about triggered, like you said before, one thing that triggered me and you just did is that the champions are not anti-barrier. The champions are barriers. And right. the anti-barrier is your ammo. Just a quick PSA for everybody listening out there. Yes, Stop calling you. champions anti-barriers. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, the barrier so, champions. Yeah, fair enough. So not to interrupt, but I had, I had like a little idea. Like, what would you guys think about um, mods based on specific gun archetypes? Everything is usable, but that only that archetype can do a certain amount of, you know, like unstoppable barrier, whatever. What would you guys yeah, think about that? Yeah, I think Rob mentioned that, right? Well, I, I guess, what do you mean? Like a certain... Well, like, say, like, a 120 is the only one that can do unstoppable damage. Um, say, oh, 450 oh, auto can only do, um, you know, overload. Or, like, a high-impact sniper can only do barrier. Yeah, that would uh, be interesting. You could also argue that you can try that, and I think it would be, like, a super interesting season, if that ever happened, was to give an element an anti-something. You know, so if you had to use void, anything void. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Anything void can do. To, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I so, I it sounds good in theory, but I think there's still going back to the match game argument that you just made. I think there's still enough uh, missing slots with certain weapons due to sunsetting, um, where it's like. I, I guess I don't know. Maybe since season arrivals, there's there's been a little more coverage. Uh, it just seems like it might be kind of like a pain if you're looking for, oh, I want a specific archetype weapon that has also this elemental damage type, so I can complete this certain GM. But I mean, there's probably another one that you could find. It just would that end up being restrictive, kind of inadvertently in a different way. But I, I don't know. I I, yeah, I agree. I think these are all good ideas, though, or just yeah. you know interesting ideas that I think. Exactly. Uh, I think it would be restrictive, but I guess, and my point to that was that it doesn't really matter if it is restrictive because it will only last for a season. Exactly. And there, there is something to be said about that where it's like, okay, well, we only have to deal with this for a couple more months and then, you know, maybe we'll get something else. But yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, I guess to continue this conversation, but transition in the same way, you guys have, I know, I think Will and Robbie at least. You guys have done the Glassway Grandmaster, right? Uh, I've attempted it. I haven't finished it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I have. And I'm uh, happy to inform you that uh, Warlocks are the best class in the game. Yeah, I'll yes. have to second that one. Warlocks are the best in PvP and PvE. So just to make it uh, known. Okay. Well, what's the, what's the basis for this as a hunter? <laughs> okay. So <laughs> we get well. We get the... Um, Loop Watcher grenade with stasis like tracking thingy that like freezes stuff as it comes at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, 
I think the whole entire potential of warlocks being able to regenerate and like get their health back and help their team out with that aspect, like rifts and stuff like that. And GMs are just, I mean, to, again, I've, I've only done one GM this season, but um, they're so valuable. I mean, like no other class really has like a health regen aspect. They can just pop down at any moment. So I think warlocks especially are pretty top tier right now. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't mean to make this a, a, a class debate or anything, but I would like to point <laughs> out that warlocks don't have capes. There's no debate. It's yeah. I'll give you that. They've <laughs> weird armbands. So no. So I, I also agree with you, Will, that, um, when you're looking at sort of the diversity uh, and kind of what niche things can you fulfill with your subclass, like obviously hunters, when you're, when you're looking at gems, it's like invisibility is kind of the, the name of the game. Or in some instances, like a celestial nighthawk hunter can be, can have some utility. It's a little more of a risk reward. Whereas like hunters provide that like, okay, we can all go invisible if we need to. Um, and, and there's some utility with like tether as well. Um, and then like Titans, you can do the bubble or like an Ursa shield, uh, or you can do like the massive, ridiculous thunder crash nuke. Um, but those kind of feel a little more like they do one specific thing. Whereas like a warlock, you can be a geomag, uh, chaos reach hunter or warlock where you have the ability where you can still heal, right? That hasn't been taken away from you and you can have ridiculous damage output, um, which I think is, is pretty cool uh and I, I guess maybe unique to warlocks um and yeah well, so and and there's probably an edge case you can think of of with the other classes and i'm I'm open to hear it um but i think that there is oh, something sorry. yeah i just was gonna say i think it's it's kind of a cool thing with with warlocks and uh kind of a specific thing they do and i'm, I'm saying this as a hunter main so you know i'm sorry as well i, I think hunters definitely have their niche where they're especially good but i think as far as like gm nightfalls where it's so reliant on team play right i think warlock is the play because i mean like as a hunter you, you know you're you can stay alive individually a lot better than other classes for sure but i think as right. far as team play goes especially in things like gms um right. warlock is definitely the play because you can put so many so many different like you know buffs and stuff like that down for your team that will just help the team aspect more than just you being able to stay alive yourself exactly right like how many times is it when you're doing a gm and it's like as a hunter it's like yeah you can try to communicate with each other and say hey let me go invisible but most of the time it's like you're kind of off doing your own thing and you wait for your teammates to die and you're the guy who can turn invisible and res them and then throw another smoke down because you've got omni oculus you know it's like that's that's kind of a but but with the warlock you can kind of preemptively throw down that healing rift and and kind of coordinate that or if you're a little more suicidal, you can do the empowering rift. Um, but yeah, so I, I I think it's cool. Yeah, for for team composition, I think each one serves a purpose. But it it just kind of feels like right now warlocks are are pretty dominant. Be part of that is because the bleak watcher turrets are are pretty badass. But um, yeah, I think I, it's a good spot for them to be right now. Because anyway, it, next week we're gonna see it completely different. And I think even last season, I don't know, people farming arms dealer. You didn't really need a warlock, you know. No, the other classes have the thunder crash and and the nighthawk. You know, it's instant. You you have like all this damage, and you put it down, and you can hide behind something after a second. Right. But even with the chaos reach, you have to put yourself in a position of vulnerability for a while, where anything can one shot you in a GM. 
So you're just jumping around, is especially when you're taking you know extra damage for being in the air. Right. Having a Chaos Reach might not be the play, but I think it's a good spot for them to be showcased as a support class. I agree. Yeah, they don't have the instant DPS that the other classes have. They don't have maybe the survivability that the other classes have in, in terms of like, uh, I would like to, maybe it sounds bad, but how selfish playing a hunter might be or feel sometimes because you have to care more about you surviving than, you know, others around you right. surviving. And the Warlock is actually finally being able to show like, yeah, this, you know, this freezing nade that I throw there at the turret, it's not going to kill anything really. Right. But, but you're doing that support that the class was, I guess, intentionally, you know, built to be. Right. Well, and it's like, and I, I know like you, Rob, you didn't play D1 a whole lot, correct? No, I've I've never played the one. Right. Okay. So so like in that there was sort of the expectation when you were doing Nightfalls that the warlock a lot of the time had so so back then warlocks had an ability uh to be able to self res, uh and so everyone could be dead and if they had their super ability they could just activate it and come back to life even when the the death screen was counting down and so like that's where like warlocks especially in d1 year one where if you're doing a nightfall and you died and wiped you went to orbit uh that was kind of the utility there so it's nice to see them shifting away from from doing that it, you know that's like that was one style of playing but it's like if you're doing raids and stuff it was like sometimes it was like okay who's the self-res warlock in this scenario um but so i i like to see that and and going back to the utility thing, when D2 first came out, I actually primarily played Warlock for the whole first year because I, I thought the the whole like kind of being a team player component of the game and being able to throw healing wells down or trying to empower the team with a, an empowering rift seemed really useful during like raids and, and things like that. So I, I invested a lot at the beginning playing as Warlock because I thought it would be kind of a more benefit for for nightfalls and and raids yeah and i just want to say like i i you know i'm not as into pve as you know some people but like i think a big thing is like not face tanking damage anymore with well of radiance i think is adding a huge aspect of the game where you can spec into different options you know yes you don't have to play well of radiance every single time you know because you can auto reload and just fry a boss while you're just taking damage the whole entire time. Right. And especially I think the class diversity of Warlock is pretty big. You can see it this week. Uh, the Well of Radiance is not going to save you from anything in the glass way. Right. It's kind of useless there. Yeah, I didn't and use that Well forces, once. Yeah, on that GM forces ones. you to play differently. And right. from my perspective, coming again, like you said, like a new guy here in Destiny 2 and everything, when I started playing the Warlock, I chose it because I always play healers in MMOs and other games. And I think that's what I like. Even in, in other first-person shooters, I was the medic in Team Fortress 2. Got and, it. you know, I enjoy that. So when I came here, and I remember the day I, I ran my first uh, Deepstone Crypt, and I was so happy because I just got my Lumina and I was going around healing people. And then people started making fun of me because, like, why do you need to be healing me? I don't need you to be healing me. I was, <laughs> right. was so sad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but um, Alron from, what was it, Season of Opulence? Yeah, the meta was just Taro. sit in a well, face tank everything, take as much damage as possible, you know, because you're staying in a well, and just mountaintop spam the guy. So I right. think 
taking away that ability to stand somewhere in one spot and just DPS for an infinite amount. Well, not infinite, but until your well runs out is just adding a lot more aspects to the game. Absolutely. Yeah. Off topic, I despised Crown of Sorrow. You said Galran, right? Yeah. yeah. You, wait, was... you despised Crown of Sorrow? I, I did not like Crown of Sorrow. That was, that's one of my least favorite raids. Maybe it's just the experience I had with it. But So I, I, I tend to agree with you, Scotty. I, in terms of like, and maybe we can save this for another uh, podcast discussion, but in terms of like ranking raids, I put Galron close to the bottom. I, I don't think that that final boss is how you do a boss. It, it, it was just super boring, yeah. you know, because you're yeah. just standing in one spot. There's no aspect. There's no moving. There's no intensity. There's no risk or reward. It's just standing in a, like a rift for the whole entire boss fight while you just fry this dude in the head. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think it's necessarily Bungie's fault because I don't think they, could, you know, I mean, you can only play test so many environments to where you think, okay, the max DPS you're going to get is in a well with, um, Modeling mountaintop. So, right. I don't know. I, I just think that boss was like that. That DPS mechanic. I'm happy to see it gone because it was just boring. You just sit in one spot the whole entire encounter. Yeah, it still happens now. No, with the Templar, that's basically the plane. Yeah, Stand on the wheel exactly. And the guy yeah, down but, forever. But, but Templar, you have one person running around actually blocking teleports. <laughs> yeah, but if I, not... I think Templar comes down to more like boss health than does anything else. It's also yeah. a D1 raid. I don't know if that changes anything. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, for yeah, sure. That's true, that's true. But if you're yeah. the guy with 20 mobility, you're not going to be ever, you know, running the relic. <laughs> I run the relic with 50 mobility, but, you know, I like to live life on the edge. There you go. Yeah, that's fun. Rel- run it, relic, running the relic is fun. I enjoy yeah. it. I was very excited for the first time. And they were like, hey, we want you to run relic. I'm like, yes, I get to carry the thing. Yeah, I I'm not good at it, but I certainly like practicing at it. And there's I, I've been able to successfully do a whole like where I've prevented it from teleporting the entire time. But it's mm-hmm. it's definitely like probably like half the time when I run relic, I usually goof pretty hard at some point. So, <laughs> but it's fun. It is fun. It is fun. I like using the shield. I think the shield is a very cool mechanic. Okay. Anyways, so, I had one more question before yeah. we move past Grandmaster. Uh, as someone who has not played a Grandmaster because I've never been high enough level, um, I've noticed that in the content I play, blinding grenades are really good. Is this They're OP. Is this 100% OP. Okay. Yes, 100% OP. Okay. I have mm-hmm. a... What's the um, strike grenade launcher this season? Ignition code. Yeah, I have that with um, hard launch, blinding grenades or spike grenades, auto-loading holster and vorpal with a velocity master work. And I can tell you right now it is... Oh, so no, you weird. mean the other one? Um, empty, empty, empty vessel. vessel. Yeah, empty yeah. vessel. Yeah, that one. The ignition whatever, whatever code is the one that rolls with. Uh, oh, yeah, the ignition code is the primary. Yeah, I have a good roll on that yeah. one too. But the ignition code or the empty vessel with the roll I have is disgusting. It's so good. Yeah, blinding needs a G, like a GM content is, I mean, so underrated. I mean, I, I think it's cool though because it adds another aspect of the game because you know it's not like a as much damage as possible with the fast reload speed. So right, I love it. Yeah. Well, and that that is something that's interesting about the GMs is kind of what it forces you to do in terms of weapon composition, where, like, do you want everyone to be able to cover all champions? Because you want to make sure you can you can cover champions, because if you get especially in the glass way, if you get struck with too many overloads, you you will die. Like, there's just no doubt about it. So it's like, do you want everyone to cover? 
uh, all the champions, or do you want someone to have blinding nades, in which case, yeah, their damage output is pretty subpar, but at least they've got that aspect covered. And so, you know, talk going into the, the GM Nightfall this week doing Glassway, I played with a few different groups and had mainly unsuccess. I was able to finish one last night, uh, and there was definitely a lot of different efforts to to kind of diversify, making sure we had all the different elements covered uh, and making sure we had kind of adequate coverage of the, the champion mods. And this is, I would say, the glass way, I think, in in terms of difficulty, I think it has some problems. But I think in terms of forced uniqueness in weapon composition, I think it's maybe what they were trying to aim for uh, with with sort of developing that strike where, yeah, it's not just everyone running Anarchy or everyone running two, you know, primaries with champion mods. It's like, it was a, it was a pretty diverse weapon loadout that we ended up using to complete it uh, that I, I, I found to be pretty impressive and, and cool overall because I think one of our guys did have blinding nades and, you know, I, I ran only one champion primary and was using Wither Horde and things like that. So it was, it was cool to, to kind of finally see a, a big diversity in that in that run yeah that's fun the only thing and you know going back a bit to the champion mods the seasonal champion mods in the artifact is the fact that bridge and clear is so good yeah it's, it's fun and i love it it's fun and it's been fun on everything else up until now before the grandmasters arrived this season but also at the same time that's one thing that you know kind of feels a bit like mm, I wish I would rather use something else, but Anarchy is already so good, especially in Grandmasters. And right, you know, trying to find a reason not to use Anarchy has to be a really good reason, you know. Yeah. And with Breach and Clear, they're making it so much harder. And in this one, it might happen that Witherhorde essentially becomes like a really nice option. But I assure you that for the other ones, and you know, especially the ones that are going to become farmable, like inside terminus, uh, it's going to be just anarchy and breach and clear all oh, day, every day. Absolutely. And that's um, one thing I don't like. I love it and I hate it at the same time because it's super fun. But yeah, so you know, give me a reason so, to not use anarchy. Yeah, Do you I, guys yeah, think I agree. Anarchy? Sorry. No, that's that's all. I yeah, I agree with you though. As somebody who doesn't have anarchy, my main issue right now is like I don't want to get it by the time it, you know, like it gets nerfed or something in the future. Do you see it getting nerfed in the future? I don't think so. I I don't think it's that. It's very specific the way it does, and the fact that it doesn't have a, a what do you call them? I forgot the name. Sorry, the catalyst. Right. I think it's a good choice. Because even if they came out with a catalyst that did nothing except generate orbs, that would already be overpowered. Yeah. It, I, I never see anyone else use anything other than Anarchy anymore for boss damage. I use Deathbringer. Oh, yeah, Deathbringer. <laughs> That's Deathbringer I don't have Anarchy, though, so I'm kind of a scrub, but... I don't have Anarchy. I, I just don't want to... I, I think it would be super... um, Like, not depressing, but like super unfun to get that gun and then you know bungie announces halfway through a season where like they're like, oh yeah they get a nerf next season so right i don't know um i i think anarchy should have something to comp like that competes with it but i don't know what that would be well um, but i think there i think there are i think if you 
if you look at like Deep Stone Crypt, swords are really good in in part of that fight against Atrax. And then, but uh, the only the only counterpoint I have to that is that it's not pinnacle relevant content anymore. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Well, but then I, I guess the question is the what do we consider pinnacle relevant content? Because if you look at Vault of Glass, there's there's quite a bit of diversity in the damage output on that. Like against Atheon, there's some people that swear by fusion grenades and fusion grenades only. And like I like to use uh, Xenophage and Nighthawk, and some people like to use uh, um, Anarchy and and Thundercrash. You know, so I think. If for for looking specifically at GMs and and at the glass way because because of the way it's designed, there's a lot of like you have to pop two grenades and then hide behind cover and hope that that thing melts and dies before it gets around the corner to melt you. Uh, that I I think I think in this particular instance it really exacerbates uh, how how necessary uh, anarchy can be in certain scenarios. But I I feel like overall there's a pretty good diversity in terms of like damage types and weapons to use for uh boss dps yeah, but definitely and even are you talking about like the heavy slot that there's yeah. more diversity or just like and yeah oh, there are there are i think there are because there, there's some nightfalls that are gonna come up and grandmasters that you don't have the use for anarchy because there's so little damage faces and you have to actually you know have high dps and not sustain dps and sometimes anarchy is basically that. And this season, what it's doing is basically you have the debuff from kind of like a tractor cannon use. And so you do more damage just by having it on. And then it does more damage on its own. So it just snowballs. But it's a sustained damage. And there's a few nightfalls where you're not going to have that time. So even popping two anarchies on something is not going to do much for you. Right. So. So yeah, anarchy is great and it's very useful, but I think it's you know not really the end all of everything else. I think there's a lot of variety to be had, especially with uh, power weapons. Right. Mm -hmm. So now that we have discussed that, I'd like to shift gears here and present to you a shower thought slash tinfoil hat theory that I have come up with based on the story. So this sounds a little ridiculous. And it is a little ridiculous, but for the sake of discussion, just consider it. Um, when it comes to this current season, season of the Splicer, the whole story and everything, uh, do you think Mithrax could theoretically be Savathun? Thoughts? Thoughts, yeah. I love this. Because <laughs> I, I thought about this after an override ending dialogue line from Lakshmi, I think. Because Lakshmi and Mithrax were talking, and Lakshmi did make a good point, I'll have to admit. She mentioned that, you know, Mithrax worships the light. I mean, that's his whole religion. And Lakshmi said, if you worship the light and everything, why exactly are you totally cool with using the darkness? And then he gave some little speech about that. But I think that's a very good, interesting point. Because I would think if anyone is against using stasis, it would be Mithrax, given he's kind of like the most purist in terms of that scale there's there's a lot to unpack there <laughs> uh, there is yeah. this may not be the the appropriate time to discuss no um you know i think i think i think all bets are off kind of at this point i know there's 
there's all the data mining that's gone on and that's really unfortunate because I think some people already know how this story is going to end. Um, but I, I do like the mystery kind of surrounding everything that's going on. And even in fact, like the tower right now is all, you know, darknessified and, and like shit's getting real, so to speak. Uh, and, and it's pretty awesome. And I, I like, I like kind of the, the, uh, conspiracy theory discussions and with everything that's going on, like, Eventually, someone's going to say, like, your ghost has been Savathun all along or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I like this kind of this kind of stuff. And it, it it's it's pretty fun, um, this especially this season with, like, all these instances of, like, people noticing that the the Savathun song chant is being, like, hummed and and repeated over and over again, where it's like this is this is a good way to build up hype for, like, the next expansion and kind of the overall arc of the the story that that it's going in and i think like yeah mithrax being savathun's kind of awesome or being <laughs> like controlled by by savathun and and all that kind of fun stuff is is pretty wild and i don't yeah. know i'm excited to see how this all pans out it's just a shame that you know stuff has been dead mined personally i have not looked at anything right I do not wish that, to yeah, spoil that's, myself that's a good choice it. yeah yeah it's <laughs> it's unfortunate when you go on like reddit though and and I guess that's that's the problem is you shouldn't go on Reddit because it's uh, exactly yeah, it's it's you got to be careful where you tread and, and not even like the headline spoilers, but someone will just kind of like casually bring it up in a comment. It's like, come on, man. Like, what are you what are you doing? Like, think mm-hmm. about, and, you know, I, I think that's just kind of the nature of it. And I know we were talking about this before we got started. Like there was that article by was it like PC Gamer or whatever, where yeah, something uh, like that. Bungie was telling people like stop data mining our stuff because you you are ruining it for some people and and that's it, it we're definitely in kind of a, a a cool time of of the story where it's like you know it's it's going from from bad to potentially worse with with the darkness and so it's this is an awesome time to be playing the game yeah and, and they're finally cool telling the story within the game and less in lore pieces right and it's keeping people engaged like yeah. people really care about the story, and I think maybe that's the fact that they're data mining. It's because they care, but you know, like as a consequence of the story being so good this season. Uh, but to answer your question, and maybe this is like a very strange answer, but like the way I thought about that of Mithrax and the darkness and all these things is like the fact that he does, you know, the light is his thing. It's like he understands that. You know, for there to be light, there has to be darkness. And for there to be darkness, there has to be light. And so the fact that he knows that there has to be both of them and, you know, this balance that he's trying to get. And yeah, it's always going to be there. We just, you know, just be there, not here. And uh, the ones that I'm scared of, and I think most people kind of might see it that way. And that's why some characters are getting all these, you know, people not liking them anymore, is the ones that are very deterministic and one-sided because i think just like with everything in life you know every extreme is dangerous and bad mm-hmm. it can be mm-hmm. so the fact that he does accept you know that the other side is there and it's always going to be there and it's just about coexisting in the universe and this balance that he speaks about i think that's why i wouldn't think mitrex could be sabathun but if they do something like throw a good curveball i would really appreciate that in the story because i think mm-hmm. it's like most people have a you know their thoughts about it right now, but if it changes, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah, I um, I really do like Mithrax as a character. I like you were what you were saying about him. I saw a cool uh, fan art piece 
uh, it was recreating, you know, that iconic moment with Master Chief and Arbiter, uh, end of Halo 3, you know, when they're back to back. And they replaced that with Saint and Mithrax. I thought it was very cool. Uh, that's cool awesome. comparison. Yeah, it was it was super neat. So so let me ask you this then. So if if we're going to continue discussing this, uh, Mithrax has been evil all along. <laughs> we don't um, have to. No, no, I, I, no, 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 I'm, but you, you, you made me think of something is, so this whole time we've been doing these, these expunge missions, uh, and in theory, it's, it's Mithrax giving us this splicer gauntlet so that we can like, you know, fight back the, and I guess not expunge override. I keep getting them mixed up. I apologize. The simulation. Yeah. The, the, so like, is, is that. So why is he doing that then? Is he actually helping us like defeat and find like vulnerabilities in the Vex network? Or are we actually like empowering them? Like are we taking their moats and and putting them into the network and and strengthening it? Like, do you think it's gonna be some kind of like twist like that? Because that's the only that's the only like hole I'll try to poke in your theory, mm-hmm. if you will, is I, I'm assuming with him giving us the splicer gauntlet, like he's trying to help us defeat and push back the Vex. But and, and then, yeah, my response to that would be, aren't the Vex kind of an enemy to the Hive as well? Unless you know? unless there's something secret going on with, you know, some I, I mean, we just befriended the the cabal. Who knows what good point what secret stuff is you know, alliances are being formed on the enemy side, too. You know, like I, I think that would be kind of awesome is to eventually get to a point where you've got like someone pointed out I was reading uh, some Reddit posts and someone was pointing out like, you know, all of the the uh, sort of mortal uh, tribes are joining like and allying with us. Right. You've got the fallen and the cabal, which are both, you know, can be can be destroyed and killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're all kind of teaming up to fight like the immortal groups, if you will. Right. Like no matter how many taken you kill, like they keep coming back. And same with like the hive. Right. Like they're this unrelenting torment of of enemies and uh, and then same with the vex right they're just like this one ultra mind that's all controlled together so it's like kind of neat to to think that like maybe eventually the all the the enemy factions will like ally together as well to try to overpower us so yeah maybe they're in cahoots we have like an avengers end game thing going down here <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm down i'm in it yeah, yeah somebody doesn't like pay too much attention to the story, um, because I just like playing for the loot. Don't, don't hate me. But so uh, something weird I noticed, and this could be absolutely nothing. But when I was playing the corrupted sponge mission, um, the Taken and the Vex do not shoot at each other. I noticed that. Yes, they only shoot at you. Correct. So I don't know if that's something, you know, from overthinking it or whatever. No, but I think, I thought I think it was that's weird because thing. they only shoot at you. They don't shoot at each other. It's very relevant, actually. I didn't well, notice that. if I can bring something up, think about this, though. Like, they're staking everything, right? They're staking almost everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And when we go into the overrides and when we go into the exponges and stuff, it's a simulation. So even if you're in an override fighting Cabal, it's not really Cabal. You see it as Cabal, but it's Bex. They're okay. Vex with a Cabal skin, right? Or oh, that's how I want to think about it. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's all a simulation. Go, oh. It's not <laughs> real. They're not really Cabal. And and one thing that and if maybe no one notices because no one talks about it so much, but when you go into an override, go in there with a couple of friends and when it starts and you get the text, well not the text, the, the voiceover, 
ask them who they're listening to. It's kind of like in Last Wish, everybody has a different voice, you know? So you can have the voice of Saint and someone else can have the voice of Mithrax telling you almost the same thing. But it's not everybody's hearing the same thing when we go into an override. So it's all a simulation. Yeah. And so going on that theory, um, what would you guys think uh, the last boss is going to be Elon Musk? <laughs> fight, him a lot of fight him on a spaceship. It's going to be some composite <laughs> of him and like Jeff Bezos. So. <laughs> Did anybody else notice the text that came up yes. when they were doing the expunge mission? The expunge, yeah. It's like creepy, I like, like I see you. I know. I, I thought doing. my game was like freaking out. I was like, wait, yeah. I have to reinstall this or, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a lot more going on than what we really know, to be honest, right. besides the data mining and stuff like that. But um, I, I just thought, like, I, again, I don't play PvE as much as most of the people, but I just thought it was super weird because usually when you're, when you're fighting two different enemy factions, at least at some point they shoot at each other or f- try to fight each other. But yeah. in that expunge mission, it's just like you versus two different, um, I guess, races or not really races, but two, two different enemy factions. So I don't know, food for thought, I guess, but definitely interesting. So I, I, have, I have to ask, so the main the main kind of gameplay loop started the season off with the override mission which is a cool six v or six man activity um but then the the expunge missions came out what do you guys think of those as as like missions yeah like i i guess so yeah so like the, the overrides are pretty easy to just kind of like you know you can match make in pretty quickly and there's you know you can kind of you can mindlessly you know shoot things and complete bounties and and get stuff done uh Whereas like the expunge mission, you're you're kind of like it's a race against the clock, especially if you're trying to get like the triumph for getting it under ten minutes. Yeah, uh, and it's a it's a little more like you can do it with a group, but to be honest, you're like constantly bonking each other if you're c- jumping on platforms. So it's a little it makes a little more sense to do it by yourself. I just I don't find it to be as enjoyable as the the override mission, and I'm I am I I'm just wondering if I'm like crazy and I'm not seeing like the joy in it because it is it's fun to have a little bit of like a jumping puzzle um but i just like as far as like kind of repeat because like there's a there's a pinnacle reward for doing three of them and opening the using the corrupted keys mm-hmm. um but like the last two weeks i found myself only doing like one or two of them uh and like yeah. never completing that third one and i'm like am i kind of the odd man out or do you guys find me as engaging like i agree with you i, uh, I they're kind of I, I just, I don't know, they were advertised as story missions, and I was hoping they would have more story to them, and a lot of it, uh, part of what's really annoying about it is that it always starts, no matter which expunge mission you're playing, it always starts with the same platforming thing. Right. They have to go through that same entrance part, and it's very draining. And some of the, you know, the platforming sections in those are just, just annoying, because I just want to get through them, just right. so I can get the corrupted chest at the end, and, you know, override is a lot easier to just get through. Yeah. I think that's a good thing about it, though. Like, I agree with you completely that it feels repetitive and somehow necessary after you run it the first time for the story. Mm-hmm. But I think the fact that they separated it, and so you have, like, the, oh, hey, here's your quick activity with six people that is pretty fun and, and easy, and you get a nice reward at the end, and you can keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And here's the other half of it that you don't have to keep doing it. And it just feels so much, you know, shorter and more accessible and i kind of feel like i can run a few overrides in a row because i want to get something out of it you know i want to get data so i can get my engrams 
open into whatever I want to get, uh, another ignition code or, or something else. Right. But instead of doing a battleground that felt like, oh my god, I have to run three of these, it's going to take an hour and a half or something hmm. like that. And this one is like, yeah, okay, so you have this whole thing, we're going to separate it into, this is repeatable and easy and just mindlessly done, and then there's this other part that you don't have to keep doing. Okay. So, no, so I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Fair. So I, I don't know if you guys have used your corrupted keys or not, but yes. uh, the gear you get is insane. It is, yeah. Like I, I pulled like a plus twenty-seven intellect, plus twenty-six recovery. Like, test really? Yes. Yeah. I got like, all right. So I opened one, right? I heard they were like crazy. I'm like, oh man, I got this. And then I did it, and I got like boots. They were like, I don't know, fifty-six or something. And I was like, that's it. Oh, really? Because everything I got was either. I mean, like, I got double drops. I got like a double. Um, I got a weapon and a gear piece drop. It was like 68 stat roll and then a grenade launcher that had a double um perk roll. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's because I haven't upgraded my upgraded my gauntlet. Got it. I think that's why I have to do that, because I think there's that's how you get the so, loot that you're doing. So just a just a quick question here. What would you guys think about like make seasonal um activity adept weapons? What would you think about like using those corrupt keys to get an adept um weapon from that chest but only if you run it in under a specific amount of time i don't know like 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 do you mean like adept chroma rush for example or something yeah like a, a adept chroma rush adept ignition code um all the seasonal weapons what do you think about like you have to meet a, a certain threshold for that corrupted activity i mean I, think it'd be cool. I don't see a problem with it i i don't see a problem with it i wonder though like does it start to devalue the adept weapons, though? In a way, I guess. I, I also but, don't really have too strong of an opinion about them um, in terms of, like, how awesome they are and, and kind of the, the extra stat bonus and the mods and stuff. Like, I think they're pretty cool, but I, I, I just, I wonder... I, I agree with you, though. Like, it would need to be, like, super challenging um and i mean if it was farmable it's in the same light of doing gms right you can you can farm those until your eyes bleed um if you want to if you're going for a specific role so i'm not opposed to it if you made it an actual like you know gm or even kind of like if you want to put it in that tier of difficulty as like trials of osiris or or gm nightfalls then then yeah i don't have a problem with it i think it'd be interesting to have like if you're going to do that, maybe either, yeah, it's got to be like super quick or you have it in the same spirit of GMs where you've got like way more champions and you're actually like you have these like real combat encounters that are are engaging and interesting. Then, yeah, I think it'd be kind of cool to have adept weapons like that. Mm-hmm. So as we kind of take take this show to the close, um, I want to ask everyone a quick question. What are you looking forward to in Destiny in the coming week? Just coming like what activity not, are you, are you looking forward Charles? to? Not playing Charles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is next week the the final? Story? I think next week is the is the final um, lore page for yeah. the season. Oh, um, so Goria, the big yeah. I, I think I think next week is well. I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but I think next week is where we kind of wrap this whole thing up for the season. I yeah. think there's two last last one for the lore, and then there's one triumph that says beat the last. Forget the name. And does Solstice start next week, or is that the week after? I think it's the week after, but 
We should okay. fact check that. We should. I are they going to bring back the EAZ? Probably. Oh God, dude, that place. <laughs> uh, good times. Uh, July sixth is kickoff. Okay, but like, I, I'm just curious, like, what we're gonna do for the next seven months? <laughs> like, you know, around this time, people are like, okay, like, you know, I don't, I don't need to play very much because the next expansion is coming out. You know, there isn't a whole lot going on, but we still have like, I mean, I want to say at least eight months, right? I mean, we got quarter one of. 2022 that's eight months until the next expansion release we got one more season after this though we do that's an eight eight month season homie <laughs> that's a long time we'll, we'll, we'll become allies with the hive like the year. Season. yeah yeah there you go what if the master chief comes back and it's tied in with infinite halo <laughs> or halo infinite we just like tag team well isn't he isn't he supposedly sleeping in that uh there's that Easter egg in when you climb all the way to the top of the, the vehicle in that and, uh, King, King mission. D1. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. A, yeah. Kate stash. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, he's been, yeah. he's, he's had just... war and he's like sleeping for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. You're waking him up. Yeah. Well, I just don't know what we're going to do for eight months. I really don't. I just don't know what, yeah. I, ho- I hope they have something good planned. Cause I mean, they'll figure something it, out. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, content's going to get, pretty dry but i hope that also like them taking more time in the expansion means that's going to last a little bit longer true um i don't know what that would look like but true yeah i don't know either but anyways that's about all the time we have today so thank you everyone listening thank you so much for listening to our first episode check back in every monday for a new episode and we'll see you guys all later questions comments or something else you want to say email us at eventideradio at gmail.com or get in touch with us at any of our twitter handles all of which can be found in our podcast description